We now welcome in Marcy Olson for our SMSU campus update. Marcy, how are we doing today? Doing great. That's good. How are you? I'm doing okay. You wishing you brought some mittens today? I, I have no idea what's going on with the weather. Yeah, I, it, it's we so just, confusing. We just get up each day and just put a coat on. Yeah, I, I wore shorts yesterday to work. Yeah, I didn't wear a jacket. And so now today, shocked I have my winter coat and my hat mm-hmm. and. Yeah, fun stuff. But we're not here to talk about the weather. Well, we tend to we talk about it do. quite often. <laughs> uh, but we are going to introduce our other guest via the phone line. And our other guest is Joaquil Bam, SMSU class of 2012 alumnus, environmental science major, and now a postdoctoral researcher at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute in Massachusetts. Joaquil Bam, how are we doing today? Good, good. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, no doubt. This uh, Just kind of looking over some of the stuff that you're working on, I'm very excited about our, our conversation. So, Joaquil, first of all, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to SMSU, which was back in 2008, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I come, uh, I'm Joaquil Bam, originally from Nepal. So, I came in uh, uh, SMSU in 2008, August, when the weather was you know, pretty hot <laughs> and uh, uh, long night, uh, long day, daylight. So I guess now we are talking about chilly weather. So yeah, it was really nice when I got there. So basically, I applied for few universities through consultant and also talking to people, um, especially from Nepal, who were at these universities. You know, before coming, because I could not visit the universities. Uh, before, so I applied through the consultancy, and then also talking to uh, Nepalese uh, student at those universities, and I decided SMSU was the best for me, and based on the feedback from the Nepalese student and also from the uh, international office. That is so cool to hear. I know SMSU they they get a number of international students, and it's it's kind of cool how it was pretty much word of mouth. You heard from a fellow Nepalese mm-hmm. person that said hey, you should check out SMSU, and that's exactly what you did. Exactly. Very cool. Now, uh, what did you enjoy most about coming to SMSU to study? Uh, I think, uh, you know, I was, uh, one of the things was I was not lost because the university itself is big enough for me coming from a small place, but it's uh, it was small enough that uh, I had uh, uh, attention of all the uh, professors that I was taking the classes with, and also everyone, not only from the professor, but also in administrative offices, international offices. So knowing the people there in person was one of the uh, one of the things that I really liked was knowing people, you know, and knowing that they care about you. So yeah. Having known all the professor uh, from the beginning of the classes till I graduated and uh, still being in touch with them. Yeah, um, Emily Deaver was your advisor, wasn't she? And she really was a was a big force in in helping you decide where you were going through school. Isn't that correct? Exactly. So on our first day of class registration, so as an international student, we don't get to register early, right? So it's uh, during the orientation, first week of uh, orientation, we registered the classes. So Dr. Deaver uh, was with me and helping me planning the classes. So she was really nice to let me know which classes I should take, you know, and uh, 
which are the easy, uh, which are the better classes in first year and 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 then planning for the future. So she really helped me uh, for my educational plan and. Um, she made sure I had all the classes that I needed to graduate on time. So she paved my way uh, for the undergraduate success, yes. Mm-hmm. And she was able to help you add another major, isn't that right? Yeah, exactly. Halfway through You're so the, organized. <laughs> yeah, so she's so organized. Everything she has, like, uh, all the plans written down and... Uh, um, yeah, after halfway through my environmental science major, uh, I was like, oh, I had a few classes of chemistry. Can I do a second major in chemistry? I just had a random thought, and then I went, talked with her, and she pulled all the files and showed me, okay, you can take this class, and you can take this class this semester, you can take this class this semester, and you will be able to graduate it, graduate on time with double major. So, yeah, I enrolled uh, in second major as chemistry as well. So That's very cool to hear, and uh, I do got to know, because we're, we're going to be talking about some of the work that you're working on right now. How did you get interested in wetland and marine research? So, in this, um, coming from Nepal, which is a landlocked country, uh, marine science was not in my view. Like, it was not at the end of the tunnel that I could see. So, I was more interested in uh, wetland uh, ecology and wetland biogeochemistry. And it was because I took a class with her, with Dr. Deber, uh, in my junior year, the wetland ecology class. So I was like, oh, this is the perfect thing I want to do. So I was interested in wetland ecology, and then I talked to Dr. Deber, uh, saying like, oh, I want to go to graduate school for wetland ecology. I'm really interested in this wetland ecology, studying about the water and also uh, the biogeochemistry of the uh, soil. So. That was my interest, and uh, when I applied to graduate school, um, it was the department was in the oceanography, so that's how I got into marine science. Before that, I was like not sure about marine science at all. Yeah, and can you kind of go through that journey of graduate school, getting your PhD, and any other steps you had to take to get to your current role? Yeah, so during my, like I mentioned earlier, I talked to Dr. Deaver about applying to the graduate school, and she really helped me with applying, and uh, she was like, yeah, you should go there, and, uh, you know, this is a good program, a good university, university, even though it's in oceanography, you will be fine doing the wetland Stuff. So I actually went to LSU, Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge for my master's in coastal uh, wetland ecology. So I looked, I studied the effect of oil spill, the BP oil spill in 2010 that happened in the Gulf of Mexico on the wetland, um, the coastal wetland salt marshes. So how it impacted the coastal uh, wetland ecology, basically looking at the insects population. So that's how I got into my master's, um, and I finished my master's there and continued into PhD uh, in geochemistry, mostly the uh, ocean chemical oceanography. 
So during my master's, I was like, oh, yeah, I know chemistry and really I'm interested in this um, open water. So uh, that's how I, uh, it was not like my well-planned direction, but I took the opportunity that I saw before me and uh, I was really interested in chemistry as well. And I had the background perfect that aligned with the PhD program that they they were looking for so i got in, i got admitted to the phd program at lsu continued my phd there and during uh, same time in halfway through i got an opportunity to go uh, to international atomic energy agency at uh, in monaco where i also studied the uh, ocean so that was cool for me to be there because it's a UN agency and uh, knowing I had a dream, basically, I would say always wanted to work with UN. So that was kind of cool opportunity that I got and I was uh, selected for the internship there. So I spent it, I spent uh, one year in Monaco and got back to LSU and finished my PhD. Then I applied to the program here where the the fellowship here at Usol, and I was fortunate enough to get selected. Uh, you know, all the diverse background that I had from chemistry to environmental science, working in different places, actually helped me get here. Are there any big challenges that you had to face during your educational journey? So... Uh, I would say one of the things, it's the finance, you know, the U.S. colleges and uh, basically the undergrad is expensive, little bit expensive, but I was able to get few scholarships during uh, my time at uh, SMSU and uh, afterwards I got the assistantship for my master's and PhD, which helped me financially. So uh, really I was lucky to be it, to be able to get those financial assistance uh, and the scholarship. So. Yeah, and uh, it looks like you recently returned from a 65-day research cruise to Antarctica. Now, we were talking about the weather and how it's crazy here in Minnesota. I assume the weather's pretty wild in Antarctica as well. Uh, exactly. So, we, so, basically, it's summer there. So in the southern hemisphere, it's summer right now, but summer still means the temperature are in negative, uh, you know, negative uh, degree Fahrenheit. So, yeah, the, it was really cold, extremely cold, I would say, and windy, yeah. really windy. And it gets foggy sometimes. It will get foggy out of nowhere. And then it's snowing. It's the, the weather changes so fast. It's a rapid change of the weather patterns there. Oh, well, uh, Kiel, I have to think that that maybe reminded you a little bit of Marshall? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so the snowy, you know, wind. the windy wind and the storm, snowy storms we had. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's similar to Marshall, but even as uh, uh, harsh. Mm-hmm. down there mm-hmm. a little so, bit more extreme mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh one thing one different thing is we had 24 hours sunlight you know it's yeah. uh like you don't see the sunset it's mostly you see sun whole 24 hours so that was quite a new thing for me to see had heard of it before but 
after seeing myself, it was like, wow, okay, sun never sets during summer there, so yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think about. And can you tell us about some of the work you did on that 65-day research cruise? Yeah, so so I'm working on looking at the carbon export from by the ocean. So basically the ocean withdraws down the carbon dioxide that we have in the atmosphere. So the ocean helps to regulate the atmospheric content of the carbon dioxide. So what we did was we collected few, we collected uh, almost 1,000 samples at different stations there uh, in, the, in the Antarctic and uh, um, we collected water, so each sample consists of two liters of water that we filter, uh, and also we filter a lot of water. We have these in-situ pumps that we put in the water at different depths, and they filter about 1,500 liters of water over four uh, hours, so that's one sample for us. So we did a lot of water filtering and also a lot of water, uh, collected a lot of uh, water from the uh, Antarctic. And we are processing those water samples, and it takes us about uh, seven to eight months before we can have some data. All right. Definitely looking forward to that data. And do want to know, are there there any other highlights on this trip? Did you get to visit any points of interest, any animals, things of that nature? Oh yeah, we so we had um, you know seeing all the penguins was crazy for me because we, we we were able to get out on the ice sea ice so uh, the sea ice was about two to about one to two meter thick so we were able to park our uh, ship near the uh, sea ice and then we were able to walk on the sea ice so uh, seeing the having that experience walking on the sea ice and knowing that there is a water uh, beneath uh, those sea ice was uh, was fantastic and uh, it was just a magical uh, thing to experience and then as soon as we got on the sea ice we had a lot of uh, penguins just rushing down our way and we were not allowed to touch the penguins or pet the penguins but Seeing them just close by within a feet was was a, a unforgettable experience. And then also seeing these different shape and sizes of the icebergs floating, and the penguins running on those icebergs was just magical. I can't even imagine. I can't either. Yeah, just I'm, the things that you were able to see are so few people in the world get to go to Antarctica. Yeah. So quite a quite an interesting. Um, experience magical you use that word more than once which is really yeah exactly it was just uh, you know not everybody uh, gets a chance to go there it's um, it's just the raw beauty that's still there so it's one of the natural masterpiece of the environment that we still have intact Mm -hmm. so seeing that firsthand was just a lifetime experience for me can you tell us about any other voyages that you've been on? Yeah, so far I have been on many voyages, especially long ones. Uh, before this one, I did a one from Tahiti in the Pacific uh, to Tahiti to Chile, Punta Arenas. So it was about 55 days. 
um, really. So that voice was different because we started from really hot, warm weather, then went uh, as the temp- as we went south, the temperature went down, and the um, environment, the ocean environment, was also different. And then we touched a little bit of southern ocean, the Antarctic, and came back to Punta Arenas. So that was uh, one. And before that, I had a long 45 days cruise from Cape Town, South Africa, to Cape Verde, uh, Cape Verde Island. So for that, we actually went up north in the Atlantic along the equator. So along the equatorial line, uh, finishing up in, in just close to the Brazil and then going back to the Cape Verde. So we were able to go along the equator. So that's uh, another uh, highlight of my research career. And I can say we sampled at zero degree north, zero degree east, so at the center of the Earth, you know? (laughs) So that was cool, too. Can you tell me what your research means and how it might impact climate change? So my research, we are trying to quantify how the ocean actually, how much uh, does the CO2 is absorbed by the ocean. So far, we have been using these different techniques to look at that. And uh, we have a huge differences in the numbers that we get. So the average number we have is the ocean takes up about 5 to 12 gigaton of carbon um, carbon per year. So that's a huge difference. So what we are trying to do is narrow that down, try to narrow the differences so we get a better um, better uh, estimates and uh, to predict uh, anything that will happen or the changes that might happen. So if we have a better number, that will give us a better prediction, like in weather we were talking. So all the weather uh, we do is based on the data we input on a certain model, right? So uh, the CO2 uptake by the uh, ocean, we need the exact better number uh, to better predict how the uh, Earth will respond to future climate change. Because the ocean is so huge and different areas of the ocean uh, will absorb different levels of carbon dioxide, the, the potential for what the ocean can do uh, by taking you know, the carbon out of the atmosphere is, is really hard to uh, calculate. That's why you're, you're going to so many different points on the oceans around the Earth. Exactly. So, uh, you know, the southern, the Antarctic will behave differently than the North Atlantic because they have different nutrients. So these phytoplankton growth is what actually promotes the CO2 uh, uptake from the atmosphere. So, yes, the content of the nutrients that's different in southern ocean and then we have these melting of the sea ice in the southern ocean which supply the nutrients uh, and also the iron you know those micronutrients that uh, phytoplankton need for the growth so it's um, all these ocean behave differently all these ocean uh, take different amount of co2 it's not um, same amount of co2 uh, all over the ocean because the temperature is also a factor, the nutrients, also the sunlight, how much sunlight they can have. Because in southern ocean, you have 24-hour sunlight during summer, and then you don't have sunlight during winter. 
So that those all combined impact the amount of the CO2 uh, that's being absorbed by the ocean. So we've heard about all the uh, the hard work that you do and a lot of the, the cool things that you get to enjoy. What do you enjoy most about the work that you do? Uh, visiting different places, like I mentioned, and then talking to many people. So, um, you know, uh, one of the best things is I get to talk to different people from different backgrounds. Uh, learning even when we are when we are on cruise there are multiple there are multiple groups so it's a collaborative effort that we do so the one of the thing is collaboration so i really enjoy the collaboration and it's always good to uh, see many people working in different aspect for a common goal and do you have any advice for current smsu students that maybe want to kind of follow in your path uh, sure, yes. So always look for the opportunities. If you see the opportunity, grab it and get involved in the organizations that are there at SMSU. I think uh, even though the campus is small, we have so many diverse organizations from your something related to your academic background uh, to some community work then to the organization that are involved in community work. So always get involved, uh, talk to people, and grab the opportunity. And if you don't grab the opportunity, it will just go west or someone else will take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Say yes to as many things as possible, right, Wakil? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And find a professor that believes in you as oh, much yep. as... Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's, and we have so many That's the number one for, the camp, for your academic success. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Wakil Bam, SMSU class of 2012 alumnus, environmental science major, and now a postdoctoral researcher at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute in Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you again, hopefully down the road, because the stuff you're working on is very cool. Thank you for the invite. Uh, thanks. Mm. It's great talking Thank with you. you, Wakil. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. Once again, that's Wakil Bam joining us here for our SMSU campus update. Very cool stuff, Marcy. Isn't it? That's so He's awesome. just so fascinating. And, and what I should mention, he's from Nepal, Yeah. but you think of Nepal and you think of Mount Everest. Yep. There is a portion of Nepal, and quite a large portion of it, that's flat and hot, probably closer to Texas yeah. climate. So he saw snow for the first time when he came to Marshall. And then he saw a whole lot more snow when he went on his 65-day trip to Antarctica. Yes, yes, but he just is doing some fascinating work, and, and because the ocean is so vast and we know so little about it, I think he's going to have a very full career of studying yeah. the ocean. He's already well on his way. Yes, no he's, he's just fascinating and just a great guy to, to listen to because he can speak about very scientific research in a accessible way. Yeah, mm -hmm. I understood what he was saying. I know. And that's, that's a huge thing. I learn something every time I talk to him. I, I see him being a professor because he can really explain things that no are complicated and I can understand them. Yes. We've Fantastic. had a lot of fun here this morning, Marcy. I know we did. We're not done yet, though. I've got a few things that I need to talk about. Just a couple things, but yep. we, I mean, we got spring break, so it's got to be pretty quiet. It coming is, up soon, it right? is, but we've got a few things going on. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Um, so today, in fact, we've got some work. We're celebrating the kickoff of spring sports season, believe it or not, even though it feels like minus three outside. 
Mm-hmm. We're talking spring sports here. So today at 5 p.m. at the Marshall Golf Club, the Athletics and Mustang Club are having a social that is open to the public where you can meet players and coaches and, and get yourselves excited about spring sports. Also this week, exciting times, the postseason in basketball begins. Wednesday, the NSIC first round of Tournament action will be at home. So men's basketball will be playing St. Cloud at 5.30. Women's basketball will be playing August 10 at 7.30. So come on out and cheer on the Mustangs as they start their postseason play. I know Swami, he was kind of sad on Saturday. He was hoping yeah. for those two wins because then that would have bumped him up into one of those top seeds. But, yep. you know, that's, that's you know, the way it goes. You, just, you, take, you, you take the hand that you're dealt and they're going to make the most of it. So we'll yep. see how things go. Come on out and cheer them on. So, and also tomorrow we've got uh, Gold College, which is the program for adult learners to check out classes uh, for the spring. That's at 2 p.m. tomorrow in Charter Hall 201. And as you mentioned, next week is spring break, so things may quiet down a little bit starting later this week. But before we go, we have the SMSU Community Concert Band with Chamber Winds giving a concert called Snapshots on Thursday night at 7.30 in the Fine Arts Theater. Very cool. Yeah. we got things going on, even though it's spring break coming up, and we, we like to stay busy. No doubt about it. Marcy Olson, thanks for joining us. And I think we're going to give you the the week off next week. And you we'll think? talk to you here in a couple of weeks. All right. I'll have lots to talk about and we'll be, we'll be excited to be back. All right. Sounds good. Very cool. That's Marcy Olson joining us with our SMSU campus update. Also, once again, we do want to thank Joaquil Bam joining us via the phone line. Once again, SMSU class of 2012 alumnus, environmental science major, and now a postdoctoral researcher at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute in Massachusetts. If you'd like to learn more about Joaquil, you can read the feature story on www.smsu.edu slash go slash Joaquil. That's W-O-K-I-L to follow that featured story.